for tuning in to Parkview On The Go. I'm Nathan Jones, one of the pastors at Parkview. I hope you've enjoyed being able to listen while you're walking, commuting, doing dishes, or whenever it is you listen to your podcasts. But don't forget to subscribe so that you can receive brand new content right when this podcast is released. We love creating this podcast for you, and we pray that it helps you take steps in your faith journey. But all that being said, I have some exciting news about an in-person gathering that if you're on our email list, Pastor Tim shared with you already. And if you're not on the Parkview email list, by the way, go to parkviewchurch.com slash next steps to get signed up. But here it is. On Sunday, August 30th, at all of Parkview's physical locations, we'll be hosting an outdoor, in-person experience. Our amazing worship team will lead us in some songs, and Pastor Tim will be speaking live, on-site, at each location. Now, I know what you're thinking. How is it possible for Tim to be at every campus that day? Well, during the quarantine, Tim discovered that he had the secret power of teleportation. Just kidding. But in all seriousness, we're going to stagger the services in a way that makes it possible, which I think is pretty cool. These gatherings will be done safely and respectfully. And to those of you who feel comfortable gathering outdoors with us, we are looking forward to seeing you. For more information about that, like times and instructions, go to parkviewchurch.com slash in-person. But right now, Pastor Tim is continuing our teaching series called Rebuild with another challenging message for all of us, wherever we each might be on our faith journey. Enjoy the message. I know many of you parents, part of you are in a situation, bizarre situation, as you look at school starting this year. Um, some decisions just got made for you just this week, and I get it, and your kids aren't going. And I remember every year back when I was a parent, you know, in the good old days when our kids actually like got on a bus and went to school, it was kind of sad to see your summer be over, but you were kind of glad that they were going to be out of the house, just to be honest. And most of you that are listening to me are looking at the grueling prospect of starting the year in the opposite situation. You know, hey, happy first day of school. Let me take your picture. Oh, you're still here. So likely you will have some issues with your kids as their teachers. Not a job anybody wanted to sign up for, right? Let me prepare you for it. Here are some kids' answers to some test questions just to get your mentally ready. Find X. Yeah, there it is. What were the early Romans some of their greatest achievements? Learning to speak Latin. I, I would not disagree with that. Where was the Declaration of Independence signed? At the bottom. Yes, thank you. I just wanted you to be prepared for the sarcasm that your kids are going to give you as this year comes on. 2020 is testing us in every way, which is why we're looking at someone in kind of the same type of situation in the Bible, Nehemiah. So many parallels with things that are going on. I mean, if you want to talk about relevant, today in chapter 5, Nehemiah is made a political leader. <laughs> Nehemiah is appointed the governor of Judea. Okay, insert governor jokes here. An Illinois governor, a priest, and a rabbi walk into a bar. No, I'm not going to do it. So Nehemiah had a call from God to a great task in chapter 1. God gave him great success in chapter 2. We talked about teamwork and how teamwork got the job done in Nehemiah 3, how he overcame opposition in 4, and now we get to chapter 5, and he faces the real test of leadership, the test of character. And he does not fail us. The Old Testament book of Nehemiah is a story about a great city just like ours. And in it, there is a great need just like ours. There's no protection for the city. <laughs> 
Wow, how deep with this analogy do we need to go? I mean, it wasn't anarchy and looting by evil people that had already been done, and it was already done. It was already a disaster. Jerusalem was in a state that Chicago will be in if we don't get a grip on the lawlessness that's going on right now. Seattle and Portland need to read a little history and see how this always turns out. Don't get me started. Some people have misinterpreted my passion for dealing with racism in our country as an endorsement of the misguided movement that is doing more harm to the issue than it is good. It's just like any time when there are problems that need to get addressed, some people get passionate about it and others see it as an opportunity to take their own advantage and screw the whole thing up. I am praying for our officials, for law enforcement, for everybody as we deal with this quagmire that's going on right now. Nehemiah finds Jerusalem as a city that has been in neglect for quite some time. And the church has basically been non-existent. So God burdens Nehemiah to bring a city within a city, a light on a hill, pointing people to what life can be and should be and would be if they would turn to the light. That's what we're here for and what happened. And because the gracious hand of God was upon me, the king granted my request. So they keep working and God keeps working and they keep one hand on the trowel and one hand on the sword, as we talked about last week, and and there were more tests, okay? There's still more tests. Today, it's a test of character for Nehemiah. And the first one is the test of adversity. Obviously, that's a test. But here's what's crazy. There was an economic crisis in the land of Judah. Listen, now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their Jewish brothers. Some were saying, we and our sons and daughters are numerous, Good Catholic family. In order for us to eat and stay alive, we must get grain. Others were saying, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our homes to get grain during the famine. Still others were saying, we have had to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. Are you getting all this? Although we are the same flesh and blood as our countrymen, though our sons are as good as theirs, yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Okay, several reasons for this economic crisis. Number one is famine. I think this is really important. It is so interesting that they are doing the work of God, yet he allowed a famine. Why? I don't know. I'm not God. But it's important for you to know that God's will does not exempt you from problems. Thought about telling you some personal stories here, but it would just sound like I'm whining and I hate whiners, okay? But I'm gonna tell you. You would think that if God really wanted Nehemiah to go build the wall, he would have helped the brother out a little, wouldn't you? Can't you imagine Nehemiah getting there and going, God, seriously, a famine? I'm building the kingdom here. Could you give me a little help? Yes. I can imagine, you can imagine, it's 2020. But don't forget all the stuff about the gracious hand of God and all the stuff that he's already done. Softening the king's heart, paying for the project, inspiring the people. You can't expect all the planets to line up just because God asked you to do something. His hand will be with you and his arm will be around you, but you may be hobbling around the track as you run the race. He's not going to run it for you. 2020 stinks. Some of you are unemployed. Some of you are really hurting financially already, and who knows what's gonna happen. And here I am talking about building the kingdom of God. How is that going to happen? 
um, because the gracious hand of God was upon me. And the gracious hand of God is still the gracious hand of God. There was famine, there was severe taxation by the government. Um, No comment. Truthfully, years later, when Alexander the Great conquered the world, he invaded the capital of Persia, who is doing all the taxing right now, and they found that Artaxerxes and his successors had stashed 340 tons of gold and 1,500 tons of silver. No kidding. They taxed and they hoarded. I think there was a fleet of Learjets that they found as well. Number three, there were high interest rates, and here's where the problem happens, okay? High interest rates from their own people. This is Jews charging high interest against other Jews. You would expect that when God's people see the gracious hand of God and and they work so hard to build the wall that there would be this beautiful unity in the body, right? That that doesn't happen. We've seen in Nehemiah opposition from the outside, but this week the primary obstacle to their forward progress is internal. It's not from those who aren't believers. It's from those, in fact, who claim to be worshipers of the God of Abraham. And in this, we see a sad but important principle. And that is that you and I, who are Christians, can't blame everybody else for what goes on within our walls. The truth is that probably the greatest threat to the health and well-being of Christianity in general is internal. It's us. The same was true with the ministry of Jesus. I mean, in the end, who betrayed him? It was his friend, Judas. Look at how Nehemiah, (laughs) I love this guy, responded. When I heard their outcry and these charges, I was very angry. I pondered them in my mind, which is code for I counted to a hundred, and then I accused the nobles and the officials, and I told them, you are exacting usury from your own countrymen. So I called together a large meeting to deal with them. Okay, do you understand this? I called together a large meeting to deal with them, and I said, what you're doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God? I love how he deals with this. Such a great leadership principle. I mean, these are the rich and powerful people in Jerusalem. And they've been using these extreme times to exploit the poor and get their land and their money. And Nehemiah needs the rich and powerful people to help build the wall. They're the ones who hold all the levers, you know, so he can't alienate them. This is just an amazing study in leadership. He has to go to them and and call them out, but call them to a grander vision. There's just a hundred sermons in this one chapter. The first test is the test of adversity. The second test is the test of advancement. There are character tests at every junction along the way in our lives. It may be more difficult to be prosperous than to face adversity. Here we go. Moreover, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, I was appointed to be the governor in the land of Judah. So while he's rebuilding the wall, Artaxerxes appointed him as the governor of Judea, and now he has an important political role, right? Is that great? I don't know. But what does he do? He accepts the assignment. As a politician, this would be a perfect time for me to tell you that Kanye has asked me to run as his VP, but it's not true. Watch how Nehemiah does it with integrity, okay? Look at this. But the earlier governors placed a heavy burden on the people, but out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. Instead, 
Oh, if we had politicians like this. Instead, I devoted myself to the work on the wall. All my men were assembled there for the work. We did not acquire any land. In other words, he didn't take advantage of his situation. Instead, I devoted myself to work on the wall. Furthermore, 150 Jews and officials ate at my table, as well as those who came from surrounding nations. And this wasn't some kind of forced socialism. This was a good leader who was kind and generous. And he remained faithful to God. Just, just, just listen to this. Remember me with favor, oh my God, for all that I have done for these people. This is all Nehemiah cares about is what God thinks about him. He wasn't concerned about what Artaxerxes thought or Sanballat, the Horonite, or Tobiah, or Geshem, or the officials. He was there for one purpose, and it was for Almighty God. If there was adversity, I'm going to trust Almighty God. If there's prosperity, I'm going to be faithful to God. I remember an interview of Billy Graham before he passed away. He was asked how he was handle, able to handle the fame and the criticism, the people who talked well of him and those who spoke evil of him, how, how he was able to deal with the Parkinson's disease as well as everybody's praise. And he said, well, my number one goal has always been to stand before God and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. And then he said, integrity is the glue that holds our way of life together. We must constantly strive to keep our integrity intact. When wealth is lost, nothing is lost. When health is lost, something is lost. But he said, when character is lost, all is lost. Nehemiah passes the character test. When there is adversity within the people, he passes the test. When there is advancement within the people, and then we get to the test of opposition again. Sanballat the Horonite and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. This is 20 miles north of Jerusalem. It's like neutral territory, okay? It's like they are saying, let's put everything behind us and go do lunch. But they were scheming to harm me, so I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Let me ask you a question. How many of you know right now what your priorities ought to be? You know that there are some things through the Holy Spirit or your conscience or Scripture that God has laid on your heart, and if you were honest with yourself, you would say, you know what, this is where my time and my money and my energy need to go. But it's so hard to stay on track. Some great insight here as to why it's so easy to get off track. In verse four, it says, they sent to me how many times? Four times. In this way, and I answered them in the same manner. Maybe you keep getting off mission priorities and you get diverted because someone else is being really pushy about taking you a different direction. This is what I love about Nehemiah. Are you ready for this? He said, oh no to oh no. Yeah. Just got to say oh no to oh no. When somebody wants to divert you off in a different way and you know it's not what your priorities are, you got to say oh no to oh no. We got to say oh no to some things as we say yes to the things that get our full attention. We got to say oh no to oh no. I mean, this pandemic has, has challenged us 
in, in all of this, but it's also, guys, an opportunity for us to, to, to look at our lives when we do get to past this and, and we get a vaccine and we get on to life in some sort of normal. Maybe there were some of those things we were doing before that we can, you know, say oh no to when we get back to the buffet at the Golden Corral. Okay, nobody's ever gonna do that again, but you know what I mean. When we get back to normal, you need to say oh no to some things so that you can say yes to some other things. And we've had time to figure some of that out. You need to be able to say, look, I'm carrying on a great project and I cannot come down. Practice this with me. Just say, oh no, out loud. Oh no, okay? So, so when that doesn't work, when they don't distract him enough, they start with the rumors. It just gets better. Then the fifth time, Sanballat, the Horonite, sent his aide with me to the same, with the same message. And in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written. Okay. An unsealed letter was an open circulation letter. This is basically exactly like posting something on Twitter. I'm not making this up. This is exactly, this was social media at the, at the very beginning. It, here's what the note said. It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true. I mean, if Geshem says it's true, right? That you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king. <laughs> so, so they can't distract, so they have to accuse and say, well, you're just trying to build an empire. You know what cracks me up about this? This is the third time in 30 years I've preached through Nehemiah. Such a great vision casting thing. And, and the first time was in 1996, as I was trying to set the vision for relocating and reaching more unchurched people. At that point, we were a church of 300 people. And by the way, in 1997, the congregation voted a whopping 56% in favor of following my leadership in relocation. Thank you very much. Seven le years of leadership got me a small majority. Thankfully, we did it. You probably wouldn't be here if we hadn't because we had great elders who said, we are carrying on a great project and we can't come down. And we should all be so thankful to those leaders for listening to God and not the sheep. Anyway, I was reading through some of my old stuff this week. And in 1996, I said, you know, some people think we want to build and reach more people because I'm trying to build an empire. <laughs> Guess what? I did it. Luke, I am your father. <laughs> Listen, social media trolls, um, Nehemiah and I aren't trying to build an empire. We're just trying to build the kingdom of God. And we aren't done, so back off. I love Nehemiah's reply. This may be my new favorite scripture. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making this up out of your head. <laughs> Nehemiah 6.8, I love this. You now have a new comeback, guys. When somebody says something mean about you, instead of saying, I know you are, but what am I? You could just say, Nehemiah 6.8. Practice it with me. Nehemiah 6.8. They won't know the difference and you can have fun. He demonstrated the best way to deal with false accusations and rumors. Laugh at them and turn it over to God. Yes, let me say that again. Laugh at them and turn it over to God. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, the Horonite, oh my God, because of what they have done. And don't forget to pray for your enemies, <laughs> however you want to do it, okay? But hear me on this. I'll tell you what. I don't know. There are days when I just don't feel like I have the juice in the tank 
to do the job. Every pastor I talk to right now feels like this, probably every person, but especially those of us whose entire industry has been turned on its head. There are days when you're just like, man, I don't feel strong. I I don't feel happy. You don't feel like dancing and singing. And there are days you pray for strength and that's okay. Laugh at them, turn it over to God, let him deal with it and get back to work. That's what I'm doing. Watch what happens in the next verse. Um, Random verse, by the way, he said, so the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. What? All of a sudden, just right there? Yeah. This is a guy summary, okay? We built the wall, the end. It's a guy summary. For a woman, it would have been, we finished the wall and it was beautiful and it was a sunny day and people were happy and I was wearing a yellow sundress. You know, there would be some detail, right? Like you ask a woman, did so-and-so have a baby? And what do they say? Nine pounds, seven ounces. It was 19 inches long, blonde hair, blue eyes. Here's the middle name. Here's the middle name in Latin, right? You ask a guy, they had a baby? Yep. Boy or girl? Yep. That's what we got here. We got a guy, okay? Not a lot of detail. All of a sudden, the wall is done. I mean, I can imagine him kind of pulling up his pants, you know. Hey, the wall's done, 52 days. I mean, he had to put that in there because guys are always competitive, right? How many years has it been destroyed? 141 years. And in 52 days, Nehemiah knocks it out. It's intensive, it's difficult, it's exhausting. It was expensive, but 52 days. How many cases have you heard about where a construction project was completed before the deadline and under budget, and it was a government project? When our enemies heard about this, the Bible says, when our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations, I love this, they were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of God. Bam. Da, da, da. End of the story, right? God and Nehemiah win. No, unfortunately, it's not over. Come back next week because we're going to talk about how to keep the city alive after you build the wall. But listen to me. The reason Nehemiah was able to build in 52 days what others had failed at for 141 years is due in part to the fact that he had a good plan and he prayed it up and he stayed focused on his mission. And the basic principle here for you and I is something very important. If there's something really important that's a priority to us, we can't allow ourselves to get distracted or discouraged or dissuaded. We have to maintain our focus on that, what God wants us to do. Some of you are finishing school, getting married, working on your marriage, trying to start a family, working on a ministry, trying to start some kind of ministry. Whatever it is that that big conviction is in your heart, that big priority that you know is there, that God wants you to be all about in your life, it's about an issue of not losing sight of the vision that God has for you. Say, oh no to oh no. Say, I'm doing a great work and I can't come down and trust God to give you what you need to finish the task. And here's our benediction. These are your servants and your people, O Lord, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. 
Let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servants success today by granting us favor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What another powerful message. As I was listening to the story of Nehemiah, I was reminded that the God of the universe asks ordinary people like you and me to do extraordinary things, to build his wall, to carry out his vision. In fact, God believes in us and loves us so much that he sent Jesus to save us and make it possible for us to be in a relationship with him. So I encourage you to think about that good news today. And one last thing, if you have a kid three years old all the way up to fifth grade and you live in Chicagoland, listen up. Parkview is hosting a back-to-school bash on August 28th at each of our physical locations. And let's be honest, this is officially the weirdest school year ever, and it's just getting started. So we want to celebrate your kids and encourage them as they begin the next school year. For more information about that, go to parkviewchurch.com slash back-to-school. Thanks again for checking out another Parkview On The Go podcast. See you next time.